Welcome back to the part 2 of our strength and conditioning podcast. And you, you, you tr- kind of split it into training modes like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas to use your entire body with some of the Olympic lifting and things like that, and then incorporate things like foam rolling and then core conditioning sessions and then specific cardiovascular programming. I think that's where people start to lose touch with what the essence of strength and conditioning really is. You know, they, okay, they yeah. won't use the kettlebell because they don't understand it. And then they will only do leg extension or leg press because they don't understand the squat and the lunge mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think as coaches, we've got to kind of like step up and give people that little bit more of an introduction to S and C and how valuable it can be all around. I think also one, uh, one key aspect is knowing what you're training for. That's why you said, yeah. Big time. Yeah, big time. Because uh, some people, they go into the gym, yeah, they want to be fit, but their, their definition of fitness is very vague. Yeah. I just want to be fit. Yeah, yeah. big time. I mean, it's such yeah. an ambiguous thing. I mean, the, the biggest thing I have people come in asking me for is I want to be fitter and more toned. And you yeah. think, right, okay, I understand that you're using those terms, but yeah. what do they mean to you? Mm-hmm. Because some people look at like uh, on Instagram and social media and Facebook and stuff, yeah. and they'll see all these fantastic physiques that people have spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and money yeah. investing in. And they say, I want to look like that. And they say, right, well, okay are you prepared to do what it takes to look like that? And then all of a sudden their goals start to change when they realize they don't need a six pack. Mm-hmm. They don't need to have, you know, developed quads and, you know, massive biceps and stuff. And you think, right, perspective is absolutely key, mate. I think people have got to understand that going into the gym to just get fitter and healthier is a good thing. But if you train for purpose, it gives you so much more because there's more direction. There's more, sense of achievement from when you do that type of training rather than just being a hamster on the hamster wheel like many of them are yeah that, yeah that's uh that's the main issue with some of the people they yeah they want to get fit very vague very general they walk into the gym and they start oh, okay i can use that treadmill oh i can use the uh cycle you know i'll bike and then they'll just pick and choose of stuff that they want to do no yeah, direction yeah yeah that's the other thing we become very much very insular in in what they can and can't do um and if i think the biggest problem because when working in the industry early on back in the early 2000s starting as just a gym instructor i got to see what it was like on the gym floor in several different types of gyms so i was in some big chain gyms like living well and you know devere um and then total fitness and then a sporter and then there was uh, LA Fitness as well. Oh, yeah, uh, LA Fitness, yeah. They all followed the same kind of stuff, which was give people an induction, which was essentially just showing them how to use every piece of equipment in there, which, again, isn't training for purpose. It wasn't telling them what was succinct to their goals. It was just saying, this is how you use the leg extension. This is how you use the lat pull down. This is how you use the treadmill, the cross trainer, and so on. And when you put the program together for them, it was very much a kind of one size fits all program. Yeah, it's very, uh, what I call that, generic program. Yeah, generic programming. And that, to me, was a bit of an early warning in the industry that it was more about getting people through the door 
and getting them in the gym. And if they lost a few members that month, that's okay because they were marketing all the time to get more people through the door and just doing that process without really giving people the impetus and the, and the focus on their training to get them the results that they thought they wanted. There was no real direction. So I, I was quite frustrated with the industry in my first few years um, because it did feel a little bit not focused on helping people. So inductions nowadays don't really give people that much other than the health and safety obligation the gym has to yeah. let you use it. It's more of an insurance thing now, like a checklist for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very much. Yeah. I think yeah, that's, uh, that's um, one downfall in going to, walking into a gym. You know, they show you all the equipments, what the equipment can do for them. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah, that's yeah, about it. That's about it. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. And I, sorry, like uh, one thing. Sorry, sorry. Carry on, carry on. It was interesting, actually. You said about the, the induction, you know, they show you how to use everything. The other danger is as well is that you can go in and you can see a person who has a good program or has good genetics even and is already using the gym that helps them sustain what they have. And they start to copycat. So they start yeah. to look at that person and how they train, thinking, well, that must be how it's done. When they might be a complete novice and have poor technique, poor form, not moving properly, but aesthetically, they're quite good to look at. Yeah. But performance-wise, they're nowhere near what they could actually be. So, yeah, the, the whole process of giving people insight into how to train for them specifically is, is really important, I think. Yeah, because most, uh, well, not most, but... I saw some guys, I see some guys in the gym, they copy one guy who's got a very good physique. Yeah. Because yeah. come, come down with me, work out with me. You know, so this guy's got very, you know, nice, big tone, you know, whatever, muscle dig that. So for the new guy to come in, what workout the other guy is doing, the other guy with the, you know, with a nice physique will pass on what he's doing to the other guy yeah it's like it's a total like a copycat workout basically yeah yeah they'll be doing the same yeah. thing yeah and then uh unfortunately this new new one will end up getting hurt in the process yeah because they're and not really all faith in the gym because they've had a bad experience with it mm -hmm. so there's a lot of people out there that have said oh the gym isn't for me because their whole first step with the gym has been completely wrong yeah. You know, and that, that's a, a big, big problem that, you know, you, you've got to look at it in terms of strength and conditioning as well. In the fact that everyone has kind of like, um, you could have two 25 year olds go into a gym. The 25 year old has been there since the age of 18. So already has seven years of training. Yeah. Where the other 25 year old has had none. Mm -hmm. So in terms of training age, you now have one 25-year-old with seven years of training and understanding and developing that strength and that yeah. conditioning. And then the other 25-year-old is a complete beginner. You can't True. teach them the same thing and make them do the same thing because yeah. they're different. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a very big aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And age also, I think with uh, age, uh, you've got those... Uh, like, for example, you've got the same thing, 25, both 25. And the issue is uh, this guy is, what do you call the one? 
copying this guy's workout yeah. with no uh, good fundamental uh, introduction to those exercises. Yeah. 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 So they'll right. copy when nobody's watching, they'll do what the other guy is watching. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's a vacation that you think is right in your head as well. So even if you're watching and you think you're replicating and copying the same way, you might not have the straight back. You might not have the breathing technique because you're not looking for those things. Yeah. You're just literally looking at how the bar or the weight moves. So I think a lot gets lost in, you know, I think coaching is such a valuable, valuable thing because you're able to pick up on the little details that cumulatively make up such a big difference for people. So, you know, when you're able to point out, you know, this is how you breathe, this is how you set up before you even move. And for a lot of people going straight to weightlifting isn't actually the way forward. You have to help them with movement pattern first, you know, so teaching someone how to do a bodyweight squat, how to do a press up, how to do a lunge, how to jump up and down. You know, all these things have to be foundational, like you say, build the foundation and then move forward from there. I think that's crucial for what a lot of people are missing out as well. Yeah. Uh, I saw a guy one time when I was working out in the gym. You know, I was because I do a lot of compound exercises. Yeah, I saw another guy, he's doing back squats, but he was struggling to do the back squat because he tends to go tippy-toe when he's doing the actual movement. Yeah, yeah. So I said, I think the bar is kind of heavy for you, mate. So you have to, you yeah. know, or take the weights off and all that and practice, that's yeah. what you said. The, Yo. Practice the actual movement first, the body weight squat. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different ways in which you can regress and, you know, uh, kind of like progress an exercise. So being able to master what your body can do first and foremost without any weights is the, is the base. As soon as you've got that, then, yeah, let's start looking at lifting the heavy thing off the floor. But you have to maintain all those principles that you take from the body weight stuff. Yeah. So, for example, going up on the tippy toes. I mean, this is what scares me sometimes, like when you see on social media again, where they throw something out there like, 30 day squat challenge yeah and day one they don't know how to squat so by day four day five their knees are killing them they're wondering why their back feels so bad oh think, god what the squat looks like and it's yeah heels off the ground knees shooting forward out to the sides you're like like i know what's wrong uh, but this is where you know people think and people that suffer with not getting results are usually the ones that kind of cherry pick all these different things and put them together in their own program and then find that their body is sore, not recovering, it's getting injured and they're not getting the results. So yeah, I think that must be terrifying to watch as a coach for yourself where you it see is, a guy. Yeah. You know, um, yep. <laughs> Yeah, because I was I was doing my workout. I was like, oh, sh sorry, my language. But anyway, like, true. And man, you you have to like, like I have to say something, you know. Like, I can't just watch watch this guy because he's gonna hurt himself. But, you know, this would be the last time I'll see this guy in this gym. <laughs> yeah, you'll be out for a long time. Yeah, there's the way that you can adapt that straight away just by getting him to stick a set of weight plates underneath his heels yeah. as well. Teaching you know, that through the heels yeah, a, simple thing, a simple tweak that can yeah. make a massive difference to his workout I know and yeah you need to check his ego and take a few plates off as well yeah there's a 
few plates off, you know, like that. Yeah. I think the the issue is, you know, when they go to the gym with their mates. Yeah. That's the well. Uh, I think it's just a male. I uh, know alpha yeah. guy. You know, I'm the alpha yeah. guy. You know, I can lift heavier than you. So I mean, it's still common. It's male ego. So yeah. I think as soon as you can uh, get rid of that then yeah. you'll have a better way of progressing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, it, you know, where, where a lot of the time, I, I've never really thought about it much myself until I'd gone through the training process myself. So, for example, when I was going to a gym, I was doing bench press, for example, and I'd I hit 120 kilos max lift for reps, and I was thinking, yo, I'm, I'm doing well now, I'm, I'm strong. And then I couldn't get to that one kind of 22.5. Because even just that 2.5 kilo jump was still too far for me. So then putting on like 0.25 on each end, so just half a kilo with the microplates. You don't want like, it, yeah. <laughs> want to do it, but that's what broke that glass ceiling for me. Uh, no, yeah. you know, so again, check your ego. If yeah. you're lifting with the lads and you think, yeah, just stick another 2.5 on. Mm-hmm. Nah. Just say, uh, right, yeah, I know where I'm at. Let's go for a little bit more. Yeah. I think uh, you know some like when I'm doing my uh, my strong lifts because I reach like sometimes you'll hit a plateau you know I can't move yeah. anymore yeah so knowing that I can I have to go back down so I can go back yeah. up so that's yeah. another technique I've learned so I have to take the weights off and build it up again yeah. and then after a couple of weeks I've actually hit more than my max that what i was yeah. doing like three weeks ago but that's taking off weight yeah that's a major major thing though because you're, yeah. you're then training purpose again mm-hmm. not just training for the sake of it you know you can hit those numbers yeah. so to try and keep it there and trying to push through mm-hmm. you can then change completely by regressing the weight so yeah. the volume of training and the you know the intensity of the training deloads a little bit so that's where yeah. periodization training comes in yeah where you have deloading Build up, build up, build up, step back. Yeah. Build up, go further, step back. Build up again, build up again. So you've got that super compensation, it's called, where in a periodized training program within strength and conditioning, that's where the, the real kind of science comes into it of how to develop the body and then recover the body so the results actually get to bed it in. And yeah, then you again. The, the body's amazing in doing that. Sometimes we just we underestimate what we can do because we're yeah. so impatient <laughs> Big and, then, and then you stop. Yeah. You stop. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, like, uh, so you're talking about the 30 day squat challenge. Uh, yeah. uh, previously before that came out, uh, you know, I did a 25 push up challenge for the <laughs> mental yeah. health thing. Yeah. That's another thing as well. People were doing their press ups in the wrong form. Yeah. And there was they, video evidence everywhere to watch everywhere. it. And then I have to, I have a friend that I message because I want him to be able to do it properly. So he did listen. Yeah. So I'm quite glad he listened. And then he changed his total form of press-ups. And then he said he felt stronger. He finished it. Now he's still doing his press-up very good. Form good. is there. And others, they're using just pure strength, you know, when you're using just the arms, not yeah. the core, nothing, anything. So it's just like, yeah. and then halfway through the press up, they're stopped because their back aches, yeah. shoulder hurts, yeah. and all that. Elbow, or, yeah. elbow, yeah. Rotator. This, this one, yeah. 
is there too yeah. wide too wide it's like, it's not, you're, yeah, like it's like you're not doing a bench press you know like you're trying to <laughs> yeah. keep that totally low yeah. it is a different movement that's what you said so yeah anyway that's the same thing as the squat thing yeah if you don't get your form yeah. properly so it's just yeah uh, they, technique uh, over yeah and they don't want to do the basically what i call like a cc squats or cc push-up you know like go on the wall first yeah do the wall yeah. go on your knees you know as long as it's well, proper it's still, yeah progress it down yeah and then because you point some contact with the floor mm -hmm. and then before you know it you know that's that's what makes progress so much you know the whole kind of slower is faster kind of thing mm -hmm. you do the slower stuff the, the the boring stuff yeah it's not see it doesn't look good it's not something you want to talk about something else saying oh yeah i've been doing my training and i'm doing press-ups on my knees nobody wants to say that out loud but then in a few weeks time they're full press-ups perfect yeah. technique and they're getting the benefits from it. So I don't know. Again, like you say, it's the association people have in their head, especially yeah. when you've got a group of guys training together. Yeah. I mean, if you imagine we all said, right, we're all going to do 10 press-ups together. They all drop down and one guy drops down onto his knees, perfect technique. And they all look yeah. at him thinking, what are you doing with your knees on the floor? Yeah. But he's getting fuller range of motion. He's keeping his arms in tighter. Mm. He's keeping the control. Yeah. He's getting the benefit. So he, he gets made to feel bad about it. Yeah. No, so he ended up doing... But everybody does with a bad. Yeah, you just conform. Yeah. Yeah, you tend to that's conform. That's not a training partner. That's not a training buddy. That's just a training group that it doesn't is. get you anywhere. A partner is someone who understands that you've got different strengths and weaknesses. So you might have a guy you go and train with that is amazing at a deadlift and you aspire to be like him. But that doesn't mean you have to try and lift what he does. You yeah. just learn what he's done that's got him to that point. And then you might be much better in terms of like a sprint on the rowing machine. So one of you is more, a little bit more cardio, the other one's a little bit more lift. But you then push each other in those areas and bring the other one on. So I think yeah. you know, using your gym partner is really important. Yeah. You gotta get it right. <laughs> and a lot of it is also you need to uh, take into consideration your mobility in yeah. the actual thing. Cause, yeah, because I've got poor mobility in my hips and all that. So, but I'm still working what I can do. So if you know what your weak are, weaknesses are, then you can work on it and yeah. then just work on what you can actually do, you know? Yeah. And there, a, lot of, a lot of people like working on their weaknesses though. Nah, I know. Yeah. Go to the gym, they like to look and feel good. So they think, oh, I'm great at doing, you know, bicep curls. So I'm just going to do bicep curls. Yeah. Oh, but what about your triceps? You know, that's the other part of the arm that you want to develop. Oh, I don't like burning out my triceps. It hurts too much. I don't like it. <laughs> well, no, don't just pick what you like and what yeah. you want to do. Make it a well-rounded program. So yeah, mobility is a key, key part to that. And, you know, there's a guy that I know, um, a guy called Alan Cosgrove out in America. And he's got a fantastic setup whereby his gym is almost laid out in a manner that makes you do the mobility stuff first. Okay. So it kind of creates a, a journey around the gym, if you will, that says, you know, you will do your foam rolling, your my self myofascial release. You'll do a little bit of, you know, core engagement. Then you'll start doing the cardio stuff and mobility stuff. And you've got sticks and stretch bands everywhere, you know, just to try and, get people to focus on that element of training before they even get into the main area of the gym. 
And that, I think that's, you know, creating the right mindset for people in the sense of, you know, you can write a perfect program for someone, but unless they actually follow it, they're not going to do very well at all. So that's where the kind of coaching comes into play where you can do one-to-one with people yeah. where you can watch them and you can observe them and you can give them the feedback there and then, but on paper or on an app, you know, you can look at it. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll skip that bit because I'm, I'm pushed for time kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd probably be better off doing the mobility stuff on its own and then going, not doing the weights, hurting themselves and then going. Mm. Uh, I think the important thing is people, they find, oh, I have no time to do it in the gym, but they can actually do all of that before going to the gym. Yeah. I mean, that's something I've got, I've got around to doing quite well with my kind of like personal training clients, because obviously I want to try and maximize my usage of time as well. So management has been something I've been working on a lot recently. And I've said to people, right, the warm up process, you know how to do, don't you? And they're like, yeah, you know, I know how to do this. And I said, right, you do that before you get to me or you do it in the gym whilst I'm training someone else. And then I'll transition to you for the stuff that's going to be coached. Yeah. And it's kind of saved everyone a lot of time and it empowers them as well. Because as a coach, you don't want to, especially from a personal training perspective, you don't want to keep them as a PT client forever. You I know, actually yeah. want to help them do it on their own and move on. Yeah. You know, it's almost like you're parenting them. You, you know, you've got to try and go through those tough few years of getting them to being an adult and then yeah. they do it themselves there when they need you after that. But I want to give them the, the kind of the knowledge, the confidence and the ability to do all that stuff without me being there. That's the key as a coach, I think. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I have a friend from the Philippines. Uh, I've been doing like online coaching with him. So uh, mm. I told him, I'm not going to teach you on how, what you need for what you're actually doing because he's into running. So yeah. problem with some of the runners back home, uh, you know, this old style mentality of uh, training. If you want to run, to be a good runner, what's the best advice? Run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want, so that's not, <laughs> that's not uh, coaching. That be the key to strength and conditioning right there. Yeah. It's removing them from their main body of exercise and performance mm-hmm. and giving them all the other little bit of, uh, kind of like a, uh, cogs that work in the big machine that yeah. make you a better runner you know so if you want to do speed work or if you want to do stamina work um if you want to do lactate threshold work mm-hmm. and things like that you can do it in different ways so you can do um slow twitch muscle fiber activity and then faster twitch muscle activity yeah. as well depending on what distance events that they're mm-hmm. running um and then you can you can do it in a format that doesn't take away from their overall kind of times that they're yeah. hitting for events. You want to maximize it. Cause I mean, any kind of training is in danger of overuse and stress injury where yeah. you use the same system and the same joint or the same muscle so much all the time. You need that step away a little bit now and again, just to let it breathe and recover. True. True. You know, if you're constantly running, Oh, dangerous a, yeah, I, I've learned that the hard way. i've learned that the hard way anyway so this i was saying uh to my friend so he was doing it so he's been 
uh, you know, running and then they have this idea of, okay, after you run, you carbo load. So you're just, and he wanted to lose weight. So he's not getting what he's wanting from it. He's yeah. running long distance, basically eating long distance as well. So if you know what I mean, so he's not going to lose anything. So there's no calorie deficit in that one. So he's not going to yeah. get anywhere. And then he said he gets tired and achy back and all that. So I think your issue is you got a poor core. Because yeah. if you're running and you're achy lower back and, you know, get stitches, so you got poor core and then yeah. that's your issue there. So once he started, uh, gave him some workout to get stronger in the core and all that, running went fine and he's getting faster. Yeah. And he yeah. said, oh, I can run completely now with no aches. Like, yeah, there you go. That's the issue. It's your issue. Yeah, so that's, that's a good way of looking at it as well is in, is in terms of, you know, <clears throat> Most human beings who are born able-bodied can develop into a run. Mm-hmm. It's a natural human movement pattern. But how well you are able to do it is very much dependent on coordination, neuromuscular kind of connection, and again, the core. So if you're, if you're just running and you're not then developing the core to develop the running style and the running kind of load that you're putting on the body, it does give you early warnings like, you know, backache and knee ache and strains mm. in the body because that's your body telling you that you're doing something that we're trying to adapt to, but you're not letting us over time. Yeah. We're going to keep giving you the niggle until we're going to make it a full injury if you're not careful. Yeah. So yeah, taking that time to step out and again, the periodized approach to training, mm-hmm. you've got some weeks where you deload the run. So if you were a 10 K runner, for example, you wouldn't be running 10Ks. You'd be running no. fives, doing yeah. speed twos and threes. And then you'd have one day where you just foam rolled, ironed out yeah. all the creases in the body, and then did some core work. Mm-hmm. True, and yeah. Good to go again. Yeah. I think people are so scared. That's why you said, you know, like, oh, I want to, to be a 10K runner, so I'll keep on running 10K. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> keep on running 10K. They, they don't like that. And they don't like those... Uh, the workout that goes with it, you know, a lot of body weight exercises that you can do for run for running. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of that one. So strength, I think, as what you said, is still a key component. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a fundamental. It has to be involved in every aspect. And I think to develop kind of like an overall foundational strength is actually where people should start. And then if they're wanting to become much stronger, then the workout starts to change again. Um, so the way you prescribe a, a workout to someone is very much based on, like people that associate running with weight loss, mm-hmm. it, it does make sense because a lot of the time you tend to eat a lot of the muscle away, depending on whether you're doing long distance or mid distance yeah. or short distance. You know, you, you stand a, a sprinter next to a marathon runner both are runners, yes, but very different physical shape. Yes, that's a very. You know? cool. And then yeah. you've got to choose. Well, which physique do I actually want to go with? Mm-hmm. It turns out you don't need to do long distance running to look great. You know. Yep. So yes, again, it goes back to the initial point you made. What do you actually want? Yes. What's your goal? Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, sorry, I'm going to digress a bit. People are getting confused about the weight loss and the fat loss, so they get confused at that. It's very tricky, mate. It is weight yeah. loss in comparison to fat loss is quite easy. 
fat loss is where it's, it's, is what actually, most of the time when people say I want to lose weight, yeah, they want to lose fat. Yeah. That's the key because mm. when you get them training properly and eating properly, their weight might not change a vast amount, but their body shape changes. Changes. It, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to get that message through to people because I mean, you know, you've got companies out there that have certain names that make you think only about weight. And then they make you feel as though you're not achieving anything because you haven't lost weight that week. Yes. The number doesn't reflect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So depending on what they've done training wise, what they've eaten that day, and even going down to the, you know, the kind of like the, the way the human body works, especially for women, for example, are they at a particular point in their cycle? You know, have they had a carb loading day the day before? So there's more water retention or, you know, have they just not been to the toilet for a day or yeah. two? You yeah. know, there's still a lot of digested and undigested food in the, the tract kind of thing that's ready to come out. So it's hard, you know, weighing yourself on a weekly basis, I think can give you a lot of misleading information, yes. especially if the only means of assessment you have is what that number tells Wait, you. Yeah, story. it's just that yeah. uh, people are, I think that, they are so what I call the one so fixated on the numbers that shows on the weighing scale yeah yeah, yeah. but they because it's the way the, 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 the kind of like the, the the diet industry and the fitness industry they kind of make that a problem for themselves by constantly pushing that you know there's a lot of products out there that are all about weight loss weight loss weight loss you know and people get swept up with the fact that, oh, I've not lost weight this week. I'm not doing well. And yet they could have lost some body fat and put on a little bit of lean muscle. muscle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they don't associate it with what is changing in their body. So there was an example I used with a girl the other day. Um, I was saying to her that imagine, it's probably not that flattering a comparison actually when I think about it. But I said, imagine your pillowcase and you're stuffed with feathers. And that's the fat that makes it kind of fluffy and, you know, not in the best shape. I said, but there's a few pebbles in there, which is your muscle. And I said, as you build muscle, you add a few pebbles in. And it might only be a couple of pebbles, but you could take a big handful of the feathers out. And the weight of the pillowcase stays the same. Stay the same, yeah. But the fat is getting less and the pebbles are now shaping what is the, you know, the, the, the pillowcase. And... She kind of got her head around it then because she was saying, oh, but I have lost fat then. I said, yes, you've lost fat, but you have not lost weight. Mm. And it was, it was that message that was so hard to yeah. get to click in her head. But eventually she was like, that makes more sense now. She said, because I've given up on diets before and exercise because for the first three weeks, my body didn't lose weight. And I say, well, now you know. That's exactly what's happened in your body. Your body was responding to the new way you were doing things. Weight loss is you know, tricky game, tricky. It is, yeah. People give up too easily as far as I can gather. You know, They, they do a program. They don't see any result in the first month. They'll give up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they give up straight yeah. away. Yeah, it's, it's a strange one because you think – you know, it's taken you a few years to get into the condition you're in now. Yeah. And you expect one month of training to change your stars. Yeah. You know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, that's... People, it's, it's, it's wrong. Everyone it wants it now. 
now. It's a total change of lifestyle if you want to get somewhere. So especially on that uh, aspect, if they're looking into the fat loss, well, just look into the fat loss, you know. Weight loss will come anyway when you target fat loss. But if you target weight loss, you know, that's what you said. You might be just losing water, muscle, and all that. Even people that haven't trained for a long time, again, unfortunately, especially women, you know, when they get to a certain age, bone density starts to change quite quickly as well. So if there's things like history of osteoporosis in the family and things like that, they can offset that kind of bone kind of um, malfunction by yeah. doing weightlifting and things like that. So uh, it, the message is, is lost a lot because there's so much noise out there that you're trying to kind of compete with. It's it's getting that because nobody wants to hear that it involves hard work, patience, and consistency. Yeah. Like, oh, can I not just do this? And it's like, no. If you want to just do it for a short term fix, go for it. Be happy with that. But don't expect it to change your life because, as you say, it is a lifestyle choice. Yeah. And people need to really build up a discipline, a habit. Yeah. Somebody asked me, oh, PJ, can you help me with blah, blah, blah. I want to do this and do that. I want to lose weight. I want to whatever. And I said, okay, what exercise will you prescribe to me? Just do walking first. Yeah. They don't like to hear that. No. <laughs> it's one of the best places to start. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I do love the fact that things like the iWatch and Fitbit and things like that have come out to help people mm-hmm. be more mindful of how many steps they take in a day you know, aim for that 10,000 as a minimum. You've got people that are taking four, 5,000 in a day and they're saying, what exercise should I be doing? It's like double lap walk. Yeah, just move that body. Move more. Yeah, just move. And then that becomes an important part of recovery as well. You know, like people that get really into their training and they want to do five, six, seven days a week. And you're like, okay, we'll make one of those sessions just a walk. And they're like, what? Yeah, no. Just a walk. And you're like, yeah, just a walk. I said, you have no idea how good that is for your circulation, your recovery, your mindset. Yeah. Listen to some podcasts, listen to a, you know, an, an audio book, or just listen to some great tunes and get outdoors. This, yeah, this, yeah. yeah. How good that is for a well-rounded training program. Yeah. It's not just about going in and clattering the weights or running and rowing away, you know, yeah. Take time for yourself. I think people need to be re-educated about uh, how to approach your, their training, their workouts, because people are, you know, when they look at the social media, they look at the internet, buy some health workout magazine and all that, they see a lot of these complicated circuit workouts. So yeah. they think if they want to be fit, to look at the person who's doing the work, you know, the exercises, well, I want yeah. to look like her, or yeah. these are the exercises that she does, and they think that that's all she does. That's all she does, yeah. Yeah. That afternoon, she was back in the gym doing weights as well. Mm-hmm. You don't see that bit. You just see yeah. the one little workout that she wants to give to you that is maybe for free that then puts you on another program with her where she earns her money, which is yeah. one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. But if that person is then sat at home just following that workout, thinking that's the way to go, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't give them the return that they're hoping for. No. I mean, that's why you said, you know, uh, for example, like a CrossFitter, 
they do certain yeah. workout. I'm not I'm I'm not a crossfitter, but I've just saw what they were doing, you know, like I saw yeah. somebody in YouTube. They don't just do a circuit workout. They just the Metcon. In the morning they go for a walk. But that's yeah. they don't people doesn't cluster that as a workout. Yeah? No. They're people going for a walk. Together. Yeah. Yeah. There's They're walking their just, dog. Yeah. There's more than just that one, you know, hour or hour and a half or whatever it is, or forty five minutes of training that you do. There are other mini workouts throughout yeah. that over the course of the yeah. day or the week that all build in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think yeah, the, the the bits you see are the glamorous bits. It is, yeah. The bits that look sexy, look you know high mm-hmm. intensity, you know, oh that looks really good. I want to do that, and then you see them lying down on the floor doing a few stretches. You, you don't see those bits. You don't. You don't see that's that. That's yeah. important bit. That's not the bit that sells. No, that's not what makes it so interesting, compelling to watch. Yeah. But it's all there. That's how they're doing so well at what they do. Yeah. And then they don't even show that they're doing their swimming workout, their cycling workout, their, you know, what you see I mean, is that's those. a perfect example of strength and conditioning, though. They're yeah. doing so many different aspects. I mean, yeah. I don't coach CrossFit because I'm not a CrossFit qualified instructor or I haven't done their courses. But I was doing very similar, in essence, to what they were doing before. That, that type of training, I think, was really important. That's it's... what strength and conditioning is. So I think CrossFit has helped revolutionize the, the fitness industry a little bit in terms of, of giving it a bit more glamour of it's mm-hmm. not just about trying to do, you know, the, the bodybuilding stuff, which wasn't actually that effective for people unless they wanted to be bodybuilders. Yes. Yeah. But now you have to be able to lift the heavy weight off the floor, like the deadlift, the kettlebell clean and press, yeah. but then get your ass on an assault bike, you know, and burn out for, you know, 60 yeah. seconds, see how well you do there. And a lot of bodybuilders, they'd fall off the thing, die. Oh, yes. You know, so, yeah, oh, yes. That's where the conditioning comes in. To build a more healthful body, you have to look at doing different elements and finding that balance all the way through. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We do hope you enjoyed that episode.